0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And it's time to talk with David Locke. He joins us on the Smart Rain Guest Line. Best of State award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. And David's weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team each and every Friday. David, good morning. Hi, David James. How are you? I'm sad the Jazz have lost three out of four. When will I be happy again? When will there be joy in the universe? Um,
1: <clears throat> there'll be joy in the universe for a very long season process of ups and downs, Um. You know, this is—they're trying to learn how to play. A, the league's got a book on them, uh, and now they got to figure out how to play it. And that's—that's going to be a long. You know, it, are they going to fix it by game twelve? Evidently, the answer to that is no. Are they going to fix it by game seventy? Let's hope so.
0: Explain what that book is, please.
1: Um, so I—I I think there's—it's both a better stay away from the Jazz strengths because the Jazz strengths are so good they'll crush you. And that the Jazz have some weaknesses that the Clippers particularly exposed in the playoffs. Some other people did during the season last year, but there wasn't a book on it. I mean, I think if you let's let's just make sure we understand this league. So the Jazz were great last year, right? They're fifty-two and twenty. They played the game a little differently. They did all these great things. What you know? What did the other coaches in the league do? And and we're not loaded, right? We don't have LeBron. We don't have Kawhi. We don't have Anthony Davis. We don't have one of those guys. So we're if you're an opposing coach. You're looking at what we have, and you're, it's somewhat replicable to, um, to what's taking place. And so you think to yourself, like, all right, let's go study this. And I think, I think the coaches around the league have all spent time studying the Jazz. And then even moreover, the last two teams we played that we lost to were teams who either the head coach was the former head coach of the Dallas Mavericks – who were up 2-0 on the Clippers and thought they were playing us in the playoffs, or the assistant coach of the Dallas Mavericks, who were up 2-0 on the Clippers, right? Jamal Mosley was with the Mavericks, now the head coach of Orlando. So those teams had dug in. And Rick Carlisle rolled out his playoff game plan last night. And the playoff game plan is you better not get in a pick-and-roll game with the Jazz on either side of the floor. Because if Rudy Gobert can defend the pick-and-roll, you can't score in the half court. So they rushed it up the floor. They pulled Rudy out of the middle for a good deal. They did play some pick and roll with Sabonis and Brogdon, and they crushed us pretty good on it. But for the most part, the key stretches of the game were when Turner spread the floor five wide. Brogdon just put 60-pound lighter Mike Conley on his hip, Bogarted him to the basket and scored, and then when the Jazz brought help, kicked out to Miles Turner, who hit three threes. That's That's the offensive sequence that changed the game. And so... There's a ga- you know, the game's really simple for every what can we do to negate Rudy's defensive impact by moving him around and then attacking where he's not? And if you play pick and roll against us, Rudy's involved and he's the greatest defensive player in the world. I and mean, that's literally what Rick Carlisle said about him before the game is you know, we're dealing with one of the great defensive players in the history of the game. And then on the other end of the floor, what did we do offensively last year? Well, we ran, we hit took over fifty percent of our shots in threes in transition, we get forty three percent of those shots. We were brilliant offensively early, and then we got you in the pick-and-roll and, and had the best pick-and-roll combinations in the league. So what do you do? Well, last night the answer was we crashed the glass with tenacity, forced the Jazz to rebound. Moreover, back to Rudy being pulled out defensively. Once They didn't have an offensive rebounding thrust against us until Sabonis went out of the game in the first quarter, and then once Sabonis went out of the game, they spread the floor a little bit more than they, Rudy's pulled out. He's not he's got to make a you know real effort to come back and get a ball because they're not very good rebounders, otherwise and they crushed us. And then the part two of that is if you switch everything defensively, then you can't play pick and roll, and then we can't play pick and roll, and then you're hugging our shooters, and we're not moving the ball, we're not pinging it around. So, I mean, I've heard a lot of people say, wow, we just don't look the same, and we don't. That's 100% true, and, and it doesn't seem right. Something's off. But a lot of what's off is what opponents are doing to us, that they're hugging – the shooters, they're switching much more than they used to. They're not allowing the ball to move because when you switch, there just aren't passes to be made, and our passes are are way down. We're two hundred and fifty passes a game from two hundred and eighty from three hundred a few years ago.
0: So, what and, is the and answer? By the
1: way, and by the way, we're the number two offense in the NBA. I mean, like it's kind of this mix and match. But I agree with everyone. I just don't. We don't look right.
0: So number two in the NBA offensively and top five in rebounding percentage. So is it as simple as Indiana got more rebounds, they got more possessions, they got more shots, and that's why they won the game?
1: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And they made they made you know there's a Miles Turner goes three of three from three, and some of our guys didn't go you know didn't hit those same shots. Hundred um, percent. That's last night's game. The rebounding percentage I don't like that stat because. Offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds are two different things. We're living offensively right now based on the fact that going into last night we're the number one offensive rebounding percentage in the league, and we're the number two free-throw team. So, you know, we aren't making shots. We're 24th in the league in three-point shooting, and we're shooting the most threes. But we're grabbing offensive rebounds, particularly when the white side's on the floor, and uh, and getting an extra possession. I think we're averaging 1.4 points per possession off an offensive rebound right now. That's how That's how we're surviving. But that's... For a lot of teams, that you can take that away. You can just commit. Like, okay, we're not letting them get offensive rebounds. And we're getting a lot of those fouls off offensive rebounds. So it's a little bit – I'm a little nervous that I'm not sure the offensive rebounding rate and winning games by offensive rebounding is a sustainable model. Impacting games by offensive rebounding and getting an edge offensive rebounding, which we did last year, is a sustainable model. But we're winning games based on offensive rebounding, and I'm not sure that that's sustainable.
0: Okay, then what would be sustainable potentially of with your your situation, your concern of the
1: offensive rebounding is the shots going in the basket in the first right. place, so you don't have right. to worry about the offensive rebound. Right. I mean, really, what I yeah, hundred percent, PK. What I'm really saying is, winning while shooting 33 percent from three for the whole year is not a script that we actually can do. Right. Like that's like, and if Jordan Clarkson does this for the entire year, it's really a big problem. Like, yes. let's be, you know, it's been going on for 14. 12 games. Like, let's just be really honest about it. If you're second highest volume guy becomes deficient players in the NBA, it's a really, really big problem. Yeah. And I think he'll get out of it. And he'll be fine. But the fact that they're eight and four while Jordan Clarkson has just, you know, had a stretch that is, and he, you know, here, here's the other problem. And, and we have to just be, let's be really honest about our roster. Our roster is built predominantly with offensive players who are terrific and great shooters. Most, for most of them when they're not, if they're not shooting well they don't bring a ton other things to the table right like if Boyan's not making yeah. his shots he's not really clamping down defensively that's not really his game so it's pretty remarkable that a team built on shooters is 8 and 4 or now 8 and 5 i guess no
0: 8, eight, eight, four. And,
1: eight and 4 they're in 4 8 and 4 i gave him an extra loss it just felt like two losses <laughs> um, you know, is eight and four when you're ha- when you're shooting 20, 20- you know, when you, what you're predicated on is not performing well. I don't like, let me ask you guys, should we have solved, the the Clippers spread us out, drove down our throats, moved Rudy out of the middle, negated his defensive impact. And on the offensive end, <clears throat> for us, also- they switched one through five, stagnated our offense. Should we have solved all of those problems by the 12th game of the season?
0: Yes. Cut. Uh You're not going to solve all of the problems. And the problem on any given night, you know, they might move you around, but does the other team shoot the three that well? And then I think on any given night, and you'd be better at this in the playoffs, is there one-week link... That if you're gonna concede an open three, you know this guy on this portion of the floor isn't a good shooter. So know that, and if he's over there, let him. You know, let him, let him shoot.
1: So I thought what happened last night was that Indiana played with not does not play a lot of fast break basketball. In fact, they play the most half court possessions of anyone in the league. Played with a really really good early thrust and got down the floor and were kind of attacking early, maybe not purely fast break points or transition, fast break points, that doesn't tell the story. But they were playing early enough that the Jazz were not able to get set defensively to have those effects. They had game plans, of what they wanted to do to try to keep Rudy in the middle. Those work if you're able to get set, everyone's in the right position, but it felt like there were a lot of possessions last night. The Jazz were defensively scrambling from the, from the onset, and so therefore never able to get back. It also was probably because they were complaining to the officials last night. I do think, by the way, I think it's worth commenting. I, I'm not trying to make an excuse, and I do think what happened last night is the same thing happened to Orlando and Miami. I, I think there's a script. I think this is what happens when you have the best record in the league. Um, I do think that they, the, the events that are going on in our community impacted the players last night. There's just no possible way... I was in the room last night, yesterday, with Donovan and Joe when they had their pressers. When Donovan left his press conference, he walked out with just the biggest, emotionally spent sigh. Reached up, high up onto the door, the top of the doorwell, kind of stretching with that just, just exhausted, like wow, that was heavy. He came out and played brilliantly. Joe, I texted with afterwards, just saying you were amazing, and he you know. Just Like that was so hard. He was so raw and so real. And it's not as though those are the only two affected. You know, I can't relate to this, but if you're a black man and a 10 year old child commits suicide in your community and is black because of being bullied. And that seems to have been maybe part of the reason as well as their special needs. It's going to impact you. I don't feel that. I don't have that experience, but I'm certain that everyone feels that in a way that I just can't relate. So And, you know, Joe and Donovan, if you just kind of look at the the way the day works, you know, there was clearly a discussion. Do you want to do this? Do you want to go out? Do you want to leave the charge publicly? Do you want to use your platform? There's just so much around all of that that has to be done and orchestrated, and Joe spends an hour on the phone with the mom. Like, it's fine that we're sitting here analyzing basketball today, but I think we have to be honest. If you watched them play last night, they were distracted. They were emotionally grumpy, they were in a bad mood, they laughed some Like these things impact them. They're human beings. They're real. And, you know, for most of them, that has to hit at a core that I don't get. Like I don't have an autistic kid. So I mean, I'm a parent and watching listening to Joe in the presser last night yesterday, if you weren't about to cry, you didn't have a heart. And if you Thurl Bailey last night, with his incredible ability, while clearly on the verge of breaking emotionally to give that Moment of silence. Like if that, that those are impacting humans, and I don't want them actually to play great with all that going on because I'd far rather have Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell take the platform they took yesterday and be as admirable as they are. And so I, I think there is a big picture basketball thing that yesterday was representative of, but I also think they were just really not right last night. The same way they weren't right in Orlando, and you can just there's certain nights where you look at it and you're like, okay, like Orlando was clear with seven games left, seven cities. 12 days you kind of knew it was coming and orlando played great and they had a game plan last night's clear like indiana played great they were coming off a loss they played great they were terrific they initiated they owned space all night we didn't own our space we got physically punked they came out to do it but we were clearly off our game right we just i mean i'm never we were complaining so much last night. we were just so bothered by our existence last night and i just it has to play it it just can't and i don't mind that like i think that's fine great like Be human and be a leader in our community because Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell yesterday were overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly impressive people yesterday.
0: So I think that's why we talk about these trends across the season instead of any one game. Jerry Sloan said a long time ago, you never know what's going on in somebody's life. Now yesterday we know because there's a press conference. But back to your point about 12 games and trends and people having... Schemes that were drawn up since the playoffs, this is going to keep being a thing over the course of the year. And I think one thing you said about the, um, you know, the Jazz had a defensive plan, but they were caught in a scramble. One thing the Jazz have cut back on, but when they're trying to work the refs for calls, I think the complaining after a no call is pretty obvious. But when guys drive the hoop and pick up the landing gear so they tumble to the ground trying to draw the foul, it sets off a 5 on 4 and i don't know if you've got any big picture numbers not any one game but any big picture numbers on that because there was a sequence where it happened and they did get a 5 on 4 and the pacers hit a three off of it and i've seen that in other games you have big picture numbers on how big a problem that is we're
1: 28th when... in the league in transition defense so um you know let's let's go with it even if we're not complaining we're not great at transition defense so when we suddenly complain, I'm certain we're a thirtieth.
0: <laughs> That's
1: my big picture. number. Right
0: now. Well, those and numbers, those numbers make sense. Like I don't. Like I don't <laughs> and David's breaking up. We lost you there, David. I don't know what you said.
1: Uh, I said it was. You know, last night was particularly bad. Complaining to the officials. It, it, it's not usually something I have in my play-by-play call. I always kind of feel like you give the player a pass every now and then on that but last night it was so incessant it actually almost, be, it, be, almost it, it became a part of my call it was literally like Boyan drives to the basket misses, is complaining to the officials, transition for Indiana Rudy Gobert wanted a call didn't get it, complaining to the officials Indiana, in transition, the other way like it was, it was truly a part of what was taking place in the game last night
0: Alright David, we'll hear you Saturday early start, why, why is it early? You know, three o'clock.
1: I don't is know. Last year we played Indiana in two day games and beat them both times, so we should have played early
0: yesterday. Okay, all right. Well, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. We'll hear you tomorrow. Tip off at three o'clock. Pre-game at two o'clock. Jazz game night will be Jazz game oh, after.
1: We, we tip off at three. I keep saying it's three thirty. I'm glad I'm, I better show up by three, huh?
0: Yeah. Okay. Tip Good. off at three. Pre-game at two. Right here on the Zone Sports Network. Thank you, David. Coming up, Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. The Utes going to play the Wildcats. Greg, what is the path to, if not victory, at least an interesting game? We'll talk with Greg Hansen, longtime columnist for the Arizona Daily Star, next.